Okay guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. This is Season 2, Episode 3, Graceland, Part 1. And what I want to do in this rant series is I really want to start focusing on the kingdom. A lot of what Jesus spoke about when he preached or taught in his earthwalk ministry was the kingdom. He was always either talking about the kingdom, talking about himself and what he was going to do uh, in his six steps to the throne, being crucified, died, buried, quick and raised and seated, also known as the cross, or he would point people to the Father. I think those are like the three main thrusts of Jesus's earthwalk ministry. And of course, you know, healing the sick and, and a lot of the other miracles he did, but I'm talking mostly about his preaching. When he when he preached or taught, it was kingdom focused. It was, this is why I'm here and what I'm going to do. And it was pointing to the Father. So I want to spend some time to really start to look at the kingdom, uh, what it is, where it is, when it is, um, what it's all about, what it means for us to be a part of it. And by a part of it, I mean living in the kingdom and also being the kingdom. Because really, as uh, as succinctly, as simply as I can put it, the kingdom is the realm where the king rules and reigns. And the king, of course, is Jesus. He's the king of kings. And we are the kings that he in a very real sense, rules and reigns through. Um, we're not supposed to try to live Jesus's life. We really experience Jesus's abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life as he lives it in us and through us and as us. It's not about what we do so much as it is about what Jesus does, again, in us and through us and as us. And that's why I say not only are we in the kingdom, because the kingdom is in us, as we're going to see today, but also we are the kingdom. Wherever you go, that's where the kingdom is, because that's who you are. You are a king. You are a representative of the kingdom. But like I said, I want to do a, uh, a rant series here, and I want to really kind of slow down and look at a lot of things to... Uh, to really help us understand what we're talking about when you say the kingdom. Because I think there are a lot of people in, 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 the, in the King James Version of the Bible, some of the Gospels of, of, uh, in, the, in the New Testament, they don't even say, they, they don't say the kingdom of God, they say the kingdom of heaven. And I think part of that is because, if I recall correctly from, you know, from my, my Bible college days, <coughs> excuse me, is... Uh, the writer was so um, awestruck, so reverential that he didn't want to use the word God, so he used the word heaven instead. But what we've kind of taken that to mean uh, in the church world is a lot of times we equate the kingdom of heaven to quote unquote heaven, where, you know, the, the whole idea of the cosmic elevator that takes quote unquote good people upstairs when they die and quote unquote bad people downstairs when they die, which you know that I, I don't want any part of. I don't, I don't believe that at all. I think that's all nonsense. Jesus didn't come that we might have an afterlife. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But my point is, is I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the kingdom and I want to hopefully clear some of them up. So let's start with 
Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. And when we're talking about the kingdom, or when we're talking about Graceland, or when we're talking about the promised land, we first need to understand that these are all kind of pictures of the same thing. So Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 8, reads, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And, you know, again, that goes to Abrahamic faith. God told Abraham to go and Abraham went. And I did a whole, you know, I did a whole rant about what that kind of faith is. Uh, If you want to go back and listen to that one, I don't want to spend too much time on it today. But the point is, is that God said go and Abraham went. And the point is, is that this land, it's an inheritance and you can't earn an inheritance. An inheritance is given from, in, in, in this case especially, a father to a son when there's a death, right? And that's what the new covenant is. Jesus, God in the flesh, love in a body, died, and then we received the inheritance. And then Jesus rose again so that we would be able to fully experience that gift that we were given. And that gift, again, it's 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 the land. It's another land. It's a different land. It's really, it, if you could say it, if you can hear it this way, if I can say it this way, it's a return to the original plan that God had. When, you know, when God created the Garden of Eden, he finished a work in the garden and he placed man in that finished work. So that instead of us having to try to, you know, go our own way and forge our own way, we could just simply tend and keep the garden that he had created and that he had given us. And of course, we know that mankind couldn't handle that uh, and and got kicked out of the garden. But for a very good reason that I've gone into before and will probably go into again, uh, that wasn't God punishing us. That was God protecting us. But the point is, is that it's a different land. It's another land. It's something completely different. This life that Jesus came that we might have, it's different than quote unquote regular life. It's abundant life. And the thing that makes abundant life abundant, of course, is God's love. Knowing that God loves us and loving him back by loving the people in our lives, living a life of love. But it says in verse nine, and even when he reached the land, God promised him he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Which is what we see in Revelation when we look at the true uh, paradise of God or New Jerusalem, if, if I can say it that way. Again, these are all pictures of the same thing, the promised land or uh, the kingdom or Uh, the days of heaven on earth, all of these different things that God promised us. It's to me, I just sum it up and I say Graceland. And we're going to see why at the very end of of the episode today. But uh, in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 6, we see a slightly different picture of it where the Bible reads, I took a solemn oath that day that I would bring them out of Egypt to a land I had discovered and explored for them, a good land a land flowing with milk and honey, the best of all lands anywhere. Again, what you can see here is it's an upgrade. It's something better. It's not just life. It's abundant life. It's everlasting life. It's eternal life. It's Jesus's resurrection life. It's the best of all lands anywhere. It's the land flowing with milk and honey. 
And to me, milk is righteousness. Because Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 in the King James Version says, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And while that might kind of seem like on the surface that it's a negative connotation, that milk is like the beginning of righteousness, I guess you could say. It's what babies need before they start to grow. To me, that's not a negative thing. That's a positive thing. That's where we should start. That's where we need to start. That's what every baby Christian, and and listen, even if you've been, you know, quote unquote, a Christian, even if you've been going to church your whole life, you can still be a baby in your understanding. But what we need as babies is that word of righteousness. We need to, we need to stop hearing what's wrong with us and we need to start hearing what's right with us we need to start hearing the truth we need to start hearing about our true identity which is jesus again god in the flesh love in a body god in our flesh love in our body we need that milk to begin to build us up and then honey to me is wisdom first samuel chapter 14 verse 29 in the king james version reads then said jonathan my father hath troubled the land See, I pray you, how mine eyes have been enlightened, because I tasted a little of this honey. And there's a whole big story there, and we might get into it at some point. But uh, Jonathan's father, the king at the time, said they were they were pursuing their enemies after a big war, and he said, nobody's going to eat or drink anything until we kill all our enemies. But Jonathan didn't know that. And he ate some honey anyway. And as it says here, his eyes were enlightened. He could see things more clearly. Uh, he, he had his strength restored to him from, from the honey or, or, again, the wisdom. So I think, you know, a land that flows with milk and honey, it gives us our start in the word of righteousness. And then it helps our eyes to be enlightened so we can see clearly, so we can see the truth, so we can receive and release the truth or the gift that we've been given. So... What I'm trying to say is this grace land, this promised land, this land of milk and honey, it's a better land. Or really, as Ezekiel said, the best of all lands anywhere. You can't do any better than this. And that's one of the things that I always thought about. Like like when I first started to go into church, it was pretty traditional. And it was the whole, you know, you're a sinner and you need to stop being a sinner so that you don't go to hell. I grew up in that. I grew up in a lot of, if you're doing this, if you're doing that, if you're just just legalism and just rules and regulations, uh, just pounding you down until there was no no joy, no happiness, no nothing left in the world. And you were so afraid to do anything because you thought, you know, if I sin, then I'm toast. But what we see here, what we see in, in, in the kingdom, what we see in Graceland is that it's not about that at all. It's about learning who we are, and it's about seeing things clearly. It's about training up a child in the way he should go and not always slamming him for the things he shouldn't do or the things that, uh, or the way that he shouldn't go. And, and I'm not saying you should let your kids do whatever you want. You know, I'm a parent myself, and I don't let my kid do whatever he wants. I set limits for him. I set boundaries for him because those things are good and those things are healthy. But what I'm saying is, we have to let people make mistakes in order to learn from their mistakes. And that's a big part of what grace is. It's being allowed to stretch yourself. It's being allowed to figure things out. It's being allowed to question things and look for answers. And God never has a problem with that. All throughout the Bible, when people ask God for a sign, he didn't get mad at them and say, why don't you just believe me? He gave them a sign. 
He always gave us exactly what we needed, exactly when we needed it, so that we could trust in him. He 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 allowed us and he equipped us and he empowered us to have faith in him by being faithful, by showing up and showing out, by giving us everything we needed. And that's what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. This is Jesus speaking, the red letters. And it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And what, you know, what I want to take away from this more than anything else is seek the kingdom of God above all else. And to me, that does not mean seek as if to find something you don't have. What that means is seek in order to find out what you do have. Don't look for the kingdom. Look in the kingdom to see what's there. Again, I'm going to go back to my verse in Ezekiel where it says, I took a solemn oath that day that I would bring them out of Egypt, which is, again, out of slavery, to a land I had discovered and explored for them. That's what we need to be doing with the kingdom. We don't need to look for it. We need to look in it. We need to, it's already been discovered, right? And we're, I'm going to read that in just a second. But we need to explore the land. By seeking it, we're exploring it. We're, we're uh, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And yes, I know they're all my favorite. I get it. It talks about testing the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of God's love. And the way that we test that love is by using it, right? Love is giving. So in order to test the height and depth and length and breadth of God's love, all that simply means is we let him love us bigger and harder and stronger than we ever thought we could. And then we love him back in that same way by loving others bigger and stronger and harder than we ever thought we could. That's the new commandment for the new man, right? Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And, and that to me is so perfect because it puts all of the emphasis right where it belongs. Not on us and not on what we do, but on Jesus and what he did and who he is. If we're loving others as he loves us, if he wants us to love someone a lot, he has to first love us a lot, right? We love because he first loved us. 
You can't give what you don't have, and you can only give what you do have. So it's not until you receive the love of Jesus that you can release the love of Jesus. And the cool part about that is we receive it by releasing it. If you can't give what you don't have, and if you can only give what you do have, then when you love somebody, you are proving that you know and believe that God loves you. You're really manifesting his love in your own life by giving it to others, by loving others. And that's what's so cool about it. You receive it and you release it, but you receive it by releasing it and you release it by receiving it. He has already filled us up and we just simply fill ourselves up to overflowing what he has already with what he has already filled us up with. So all of the emphasis is on him. If he wants us full of love, he had to fill us. And then we fill ourselves with what we've already been filled with so that it comes out of us naturally. And that's the whole deal for the kingdom to me. So, and uh, all right, here's, here's the key to me. This is important. This, these next two verses I want to read are really the whole deal for today. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 in the King James Version, which reads, For he hath made him, he being God, hath made him, being Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This whole deal is not about what we do for God. It's about what God does in us. We are in him and he is in us. And then Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but, a, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Or, I like it even better, in the King James Version, Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Which when you understand that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, when you understand that it's God in us, when you understand, again, this is what I'm trying to say, the kingdom, the promised land, the land of milk and honey, grace land, it's not just what we are in, but it's what's in us. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy, and it's in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is in us, which means righteousness, peace, and joy is in us, which means you don't need those things. It means you have those things. It means you are those things. So I guess the whole idea of like, like there's this, this thought out there that says, if you ask God for patience, he's going to give you opportunities to be patient. And while I don't necessarily disagree with that, I think life gives us enough, you know, opportunities to be patient all by itself. I think God equips us with everything we need so that when those opportunities arise, we, we will be ready for them and prepared for them and be able to not only survive them, but thrive in them. So an opportunity to be patient, if you don't have any patience, that's not helpful. That's no good. But an opportunity to be patient when God has filled you with his patience, that's a different story. So I want us to really understand that it's in us, that God made Jesus sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He's in us and we're in him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is where the kingdom is, that means it's in you. That means where you are is where the kingdom is. 
Luke chapter 17, 20 and 21 says, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, Here it is, or It's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. And in the King James it says, For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And I actually like both of those uh, translations, both of those versions, because I believe the kingdom of God is in and among us. It's wherever we are because it's already here, and it's wherever we are because it's in us. So what we need to understand is that you don't need to seek it in order to find something you don't have. You need to seek it in order to have your focus in the right place. Don't worry about all these other concerns that the world would try to crush you with. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And his righteousness is you. God, again, God made Jesus to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Seeking his righteousness simply means looking inside of us because that's where his righteousness is, because that's where he is. The king lives in us. We are the kingdom. We are the realm where the king rules and reigns. That's what this whole idea, again, this whole idea of, of, of heaven being somewhere after, I don't, it, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't need something after. I need something right now. I need the days of heaven on earth. I need, uh, I need to be able to access this stuff and use this stuff and experience this stuff in the here and now because that's what we have we have the here and now don't worry about tomorrow's troubles today's troubles are enough and a lot of times quite honestly it's all we can do to get from the start of the day to the end of the day so worrying about some pie in the sky you know down the road hopefully when i die i've been good enough that my pluses outweigh my minuses. I I just can't get on board with that stuff, man. I just can't. It's not, I don't know. If you need it, I guess that's fine, but it's not for me. For me, I, I, I want to experience the kingdom right now. And I can experience the kingdom right now because it's in me, because he's in me, Jesus, the King of Kings. And because not only is he in me, but because I'm in him. So I want to read one last passage of scripture to end today's rant. And again, this is uh, this is why I called it Graceland. And, and I really like that because I'm a big Elvis fan and, you know, Elvis lived in Graceland. But uh, spiritually speaking, it comes from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 in the Message Bible. And it reads, so what do we do? Keep on sinning? So God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. And also to me, 
that gives almost a lot more power to water baptism. Because again, I think kind of the, the traditional way that we've kind of accepted and, and taught about baptism is, well, if you're not baptized, you're not going to heaven, which really I think is the case, but not the way that people mean it. Like, like you have these like deathbed baptisms where uh, even like where, where if somebody's too frail to, to be dunked into the water, where they'll like sprinkle water on them and they'll be like, whew, good. Now when I die, I can go up instead of down. But really, to me, it's more of a like a ticket into the experiencing of the kingdom right now. Because to me, baptism, water baptism, is nothing more than the individual um, decision to completely identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which again is what we see here in the Message Bible. It says, when we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was, did not die and then rise again in order to have us have a good afterlife. Jesus died so that death could die. Jesus died so that we could experience life true life, his life, the abundant, eternal, everlasting resurrection life of God, which is the gift of God, which is a life of love. The thing, again, the thing that makes the abundant life abundant is love. So we're not talking about an afterlife. We're talking about, again, and it goes on and it says this too, each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we, we can see where we're going in our new grace sovereign country. It's about where we are now and being able to see clearly where we are now and about being able to experience where we are now. It's the milk and the, uh, and the honey so that we can see our righteousness, so that we can see who we really are by seeing who Jesus really is. We don't have to keep trying to be somebody we're not, which I think is impossible. At the end of the day, you are who you are. And I, you know, I've, I think I've ranted about this before, but I always hear it said, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And I think that's nonsense. That doesn't make sense to me in any way, because if God loves you just the way you are, then he doesn't need to change the way you are, right? So what he wants to do is he wants to show us who we really are by showing us who Jesus is. We don't need to change into something we're not. We simply need to stop trying to be someone we're not. And, and the only way that you can stop trying to be someone you're not is by understanding who you are and coming to terms with who you are and accepting who you are, which I'm going to say it again, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is our true identity. God in the flesh, love in a body. God in our flesh, love in our body. So it says, when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace a new life in a new land. That's where I got the title, Graceland. It's a new life in a new land, the country of grace. And I think next week, we're really going to kind of hone in on the grace part of Graceland. Hopefully, uh, after, after today, we kind of understand some of the basics about the kingdom, the promised land, a better land, a land that flows with milk and honey, heaven on earth, a place where we don't have to worry about all of the, the worldly 
kind of needs and wants and desires because it's a land of plenty. It's a land where we have everything we need. I have no lack because my God has no lack. I've uh, There are things in my life that I've wanted that I couldn't have or didn't have, but there's never ever been anything that I've needed that God hasn't provided for me. And there's a big difference between needs and wants. But my point is, is this grace land that we live in through, again, through, through the, the individual conscious decision of baptism to, to the point where we're saying, I want to live there. I want to experience this. I don't think it happens by accident. I think, again, I think, you know, baptism is kind of like our ticket into experiencing this in the here and now, uh, a light filled world where we can see the honey that enlightens our eyes, where it's here and it's been here since the King arrived, Jesus. But now only now are we kind of figuring out that it's here and that we live in it because it lives in us. Only now are we starting to seek it inside where it really lives righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost in us. Now that we can see what's in us, now that we can see who we really are, we can let what's in us come out and we can stop trying to be someone we're not and we can just be who we really are. We can do all of the things that we do in love, for love, through love, because of love. And in that way, we can experience Jesus's life of love, which is the whole point of the whole thing. So that's really the foundation that I wanted to set for today. And I think I'm going to be here for a while because, again, Jesus preached on this stuff a lot. And I think it's really, really important that we understand the kingdom, the kingdom life, uh, the living in the kingdom, living out of the kingdom and sharing the kingdom with others. So that's what I have for today. Thank you always. We'll see you next week. OK, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that are written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, su- you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to uh to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.